my message has always been is that we all have a potential and we have a potential that a lot of us don't tap into because of the way that society is structured to only identify certain people as being gifted, talented, bright, whatever it is, and how it stops so many of us from doing what we are really good at doing in our lives or believing in ourselves because we don't fit that narrative. Hello, writers, and a very warm welcome to a very special episode of the Creating Happy Writers podcast. It's my first guest episode, and I am so excited. But before we get into it, if it's your first time here and you're wondering who the heck I am, I'm your host, Steph Caswell, and I'm thrilled you're tuning in. This podcast is for coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs who are looking to write a book in their niche to showcase their expertise and take their business to the next level. If that's you, then come on in, put your feet up, you're in the right place. Because nothing can elevate your brand, your business or you like a book can. So if you're about to start your writing journey or maybe you're already on it, you are so welcome in the Happy Writers community. If you head on over to my website, stephcaswell.com, you'll find a free PDF download all about planning a best-selling book in your niche. And if you enjoy today's episode, or any episode for that matter, please do leave a review on your favourite podcast provider. All links will be in the show notes. So without further ado, let's dive in to today's episode with the very brilliant Anna Zanides. Anna is a published author, a UK-listed mindfulness teacher, and an accredited life coach with a background in education. She specialises in working with young people and individuals facing the challenges of cancer, loss, and bereavement. In her personal life, Anna enjoys spending time with her family and friends and indulging in her passion for writing, which includes regular contributions to her blog. As a practising Buddhist, she lives a contemplative life often in silence and solitude, honouring the principles of her spiritual practice. Her book, How Did I Get Here?, was published in August 2023 and is the story of her journey to rebuild her life after it took an unexpected turn. It also serves as a guide for anyone who is facing their own life challenges or questioning their path. In our wonderful conversation, we chat about Anna's somewhat unplanned journey to being an author her reasons for writing this particular book and why so many of us stop believing in ourselves and in our potential. We talk about her writing process, which included getting up at 4am and how her regular practice of solitude helped her creativity. We also discuss the challenges she faced being bilingual and how she feels it actually made her book more accessible to others. This really is a brilliant conversation that will have you thinking about the way you view yourself as an author, how self-belief really can make all the difference and why it's so important to see ourselves for who we really are. I'm so happy Anna's here to talk about her experience of writing and publishing. So let's meet her.
Thank you, Anna, so much for joining me today and to talk about your book. I wonder whether you could just start by telling us a little bit about how you got to this point of writing and sort of your journey thus far to to write a book. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for having me. I I think I I need to start with the statement, I guess, that um, I haven't really ever seen myself as a writer. I I left school with very little qualifications and uh, not a great experience and I think I didn't read my first book until I hit my 20s. So writing was never something that I thought oh you know I just used to write diaries and, and I used to explain my you know try to work through my issues as I was growing up through just writing diaries. Um, and then a few years ago, I um, just, well, I've been blogging for quite a while, but I never took it seriously. So I, I always just did, oh, I feel like just saying this, so I'll blog. Um, so I think the journey has been, for me, unexpected, unplanned, Um <laughs> And now just to say that, you know, I am a, a, an author is quite strange for me. So, it, uh, yeah, so that's it really. I never really planned to write a book. It just kind of happened. Did you feel like it was calling to you to be written? Did you get to that point? Um, yeah. And be, so when I first started writing, it was it was going to be a memoir type thing. Oh, you know, like a lot of us do. Oh, I've got a story to tell. And um, I also wanted a, a kind of wanted something down on paper to record my life and how I felt as, as a young girl and the experiences I had to pass on to my granddaughters more than anything. I want them to know they don't have to be like this sort of thing. So it, it was that was the calling. And then as I started to write, it just it really kind of changed a lot um from what it was at the beginning so and and you saying calling now it's just like now there's like another one and that you know like it comes to you later it's it's quite weird really yeah it is weird it is weird and I always think that you almost start to think of the next one while you're writing the 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 first one or you know subsequent ones you you've think of something while you're writing and you think actually that would make a good book in itself and it's sometimes it's hard to to not then get sort of sidetracked with that idea and and not to follow it there and then but no you're absolutely right that's happened to me more times than I than I care to mention and I have a notebook full of just jottings of ideas that could potentially be books sometimes I think are they books or are they just longer blog posts or are they articles? But, you know, it's just worth having those ideas somewhere that you can come back to should you wish to. But I love the fact that you talk about um, your grandkids and, and what you want the book to do for them. So kind of tell me a bit more about that. What what sort of um, vibe or, or inspiration are you hoping to, to give to your, your grandchildren? Well, it's funny, really, because my sons don't tend to read Um and, you know, they're in their 30s now, but they all bought, bought the book. And my eldest said to me the other day that he, he could only read the first few pages and then he had to put it down because it was a bit emotional for him. And I was a bit kind of 
why is it emotional for you? Because I just didn't register the fact that when I'm writing about me and my story, it's also their story. Um, it just didn't, it didn't really hit me until he said that. So I think what's important for me is, as you, you know, can tell from the book itself and the title, How Did I Get Here, was me trying to make peace with my life. And, you know, by me making peace with my life, I'm hoping that I can help my children and my grandchildren to, to kind of understand where they are, because obviously they're a continuation of my story, aren't they? And I think it's for me to give them that kind of understanding of where they're from and what's behind their story and give them that guidance, perhaps when I'm not here one day, you know, when they're going through something for them to pick it up and say, yeah, you know, this isn't just me, this 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 happened or this is what's behind it, whatever it might be. And I, I actually thought to myself today as well, because I was actually talking to somebody on um, on LinkedIn, a young young lady on there, realising when I first wrote the book, I thought, oh, okay, my target audience or my target reader are women my age. But actually, it's I sort of thought to myself today, no, actually, it's me giving younger people, maybe sharing my wisdom. If I had known, if I had had somebody with a bit of wisdom when I was growing up to give me some words, give me something, you know, maybe I would have taken a different road. Maybe I would have done something, you know, better for myself. Who knows? And I think that came to me today as well of saying, no, the message isn't just for somebody at my age going, yep, it didn't just happen to me. Um, it's me trying to give younger people a different perspective. Mm. I think it's, I always have that conversation with, with friends when we talk about, would we go back to being 25 again and having the knowledge we have now? Um, and I think it's so appealing to think that actually everything you learn as you go through life obviously equips you to to handle the stuff that comes your way if you're receptive to learning it. But it's interesting to think actually what decisions would I have made if I had gone if you know if you can go back to age twenty or twenty five with the knowledge you have as a forty plus year old that you that it's just such an interesting concept and I think that's a really nice idea for the book that it's a book that can help younger people to navigate or to think about at least you know the things that are going to crop up uh, as life goes on and how you can how you can deal with that mm. I actually got um, a message on Instagram the other day from a, a young girl that I taught many years ago now um, who's I, I would say, I would think she's in her 30s. And she messaged me to say, I've bought the book. And I said to her, oh, you might recognise a bit of it because actually I, don't, I do kind of make a reference to her. I wonder if she's going to understand that it's her that I'm talking about, which is a really weird coincidence, to be honest. When I was teaching, when I, I always worked in um, underperforming schools, 
I would say my strength was in how I connected with the children that I identified as being very similar to what I was like at school, you know, a little bit of the rejects, a little bit of the disengaged, the ones that were, but they were, they were bright, just not recognized as bright because of their behavior or, or whatever it was. And I think for me, it is, my message has always been, whether it was when I was teaching or through my writing or through my blogging, is that we all have a potential and we have a potential that a lot of us don't tap into because of the way that society is structured to only identify certain people as being gifted, talented, bright, whatever it is, and how it stops so many of us from doing what we are really good at doing in our lives or believing in ourselves because we don't fit that narrative. And I think that's what I would like somebody to, you know, that picks up the book and doesn't know where they are, doesn't believe in themselves to say, oh, right, okay. You know, that's that's what I hope to be able to leave people when they read it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think our education system, I mean, you and I could talk about that, I'm sure, for hours, but our education system is one that is so archaic in that sense that it it's so designed for, you know, your, your gifted, in, in inverted commas, your, your, your higher ability children, your more able children, um, or, or sort of the average plus, if you like. I always think that if you can just about manage, you just about manage school, but actually if you are in any way managing other emotions, you've got maybe, uh, you know, additional needs in all sorts of different ways, which actually now a lot of people have. Um, it's just not fit for purpose. And I think books like yours, where maybe you're coming out of that system and you never really felt as though you fitted in or that you thought you had any kind of ability to do anything other than what school said you were okay at, I guess, or could just about do. I think that's what is key for young people coming into, you know, trying to understand who they are. Yeah, I was going to say, though, there is a difference in, in that I actually always believed in myself. So in spite of what the education system or in spite of what the, the society overall tried to tell me about being a woman, about being, you know, not being that type of woman that I should be or not being the type of student that I should be, in spite of all of that, I believed in myself. I don't know why, um, but when I left school and when I was at school, I always just ignored, I ignored what, what the adults told me. I never allowed it to sink into me, which is a really strange thing because I, I don't know why there was that always that inner belief that I can do whatever I want to do. And, and I was never put off by not not getting what I wanted when I was at school and not fitting in. I just kept my head down and got through it because I always knew I'd do what I want anyway. So it's, I think it's that perspective I'm trying, I always try and I do write about it in the book about, you know, telling kids when I was teaching them that I have no clue what that child is capable of. No teacher has, in fact, no adult has really. So I think that was the message. 
Mm. I think it's such, but it's such an important one because I was probably the polar opposite actually to you, and I would have, I had no belief in what I perceived I could or couldn't do. Um, and I think it's really refreshing to hear that. And actually, it's that that led you to eventually, all these years later, to write that book for for the younger generation, but also for people who are, who maybe are you know my age, forty, your age, who are who are sort of thinking to themselves, I've never believed in myself, and actually now I do think we get to a point where you know we're a bit fuck it you know, when we get to 40, aren't we? We're a bit like, okay, well, I've spent all of my life worrying about what other people think. And actually now I'm getting to a point where I realise nobody gives an absolute damn what I'm doing. They're too worried about themselves anyway um, to think about what I'm doing. And even if they do, that it just comes from a place of, it reflects what their own, maybe the issues are or their own, how they perceive themselves is reflected in how they respond to you. But I would say 95% of people are too busy, concerned about their own lives, their own issues, their own things that they're trying to pursue to actually care at all about what you're doing. But we go through this stage, don't we? And I know it's a developmental stage for kids to go through that you know, people are worrying or thinking about others, you know, you know, when they start off when they're four or five, and they're incredibly egocentric, and it's all about them. And then they get to what, six or seven, and then they start to think, oh, I'm actually I'm part of something wider. And unless they have that confidence, maybe that innate confidence to be, well, I don't care, this is how I'm going to be, which it sounds like what you were like, you know, this I'm comfortable with who I who I am in terms of what I'm not going to listen to what people say I should or shouldn't do. I think that's really refreshing. And I just love it if more young people could actually have that approach to to coming out of schooling and into the big wide world. I think the difficulty is, and as as I write in the book and from the research and the science behind it, is that we reach, I think what, you know, there is this idea that it's between seven and nine years old when we, when, when we, get all our validation or most of our validation from outside, from our peers, from other people. And that's where I can see it now as well with my granddaughters who are eight years old, where that's kind of um, it started to be needing to fit in, needing friends. And, um, and that's where I kind of come in and give them those lectures about you don't have to be like that kind of thing. Um, and I think it's more difficult for that, that young generation because in my day, we didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have, you know, any of that going on. It was at school. Then we came home. Bullying was face to face. It wasn't online. It wasn't, or, you know, we could deal with things face to face. So it's a huge, it's going to be even a huge, you know, for, for this generation going forwards. And how do we protect them from all of that as well? So, yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing. It is a big thing. I think we could probably talk about it for hours. And I'm sure people listening will have experience, even if not directly with their own kids, but with, I'm sure, people that, you know, children of people they know, where it is just this whole different ball game than like you say than it was when we were at school and yes you know bullying never was never a not a thing but it's just the the fact that it can be a 24-hour thing now whereas before like you say you could deal with it at school if you had to and then come home and get some sort of respite from it but yeah I mean obviously technology and and young people is, is a whole other topic but I do think what your book's trying to do is is so important and hopefully will give 
the younger generation as well as you know uh, the generation that you originally maybe thought you were writing for that boost that's that's needed how do you you know because obviously people listening are predominantly writing books that are going to hopefully raise their credibility within their niche help grow their business how do you see your book helping you to do that sort of thing yeah so for me the reason that I actually I I thought I must write the book is because I have struggled for years to fit into a label are you this are you that I mean I taught mindfulness for a long time so for a lot of times I've become a mindfulness teacher I train to coach. Um, so sometimes I, you know, people say I'm a coach. So I was like, but I don't feel like I fit in that. And I don't feel like I fit in that. And I have a, my own way of working with people. So the book for me was really for me to get out into the world. What is my process? What is the process that I use to work with people? And of course, Buddhism is very important to me. Um, it's it's kind of my foundation, um, but I obviously can't teach Buddhism because you know that's that's not my role. But I wanted a way to kind of put all of it together, in and then and then explain what I do. So for me, the book is fundamental because it it has everything that i want to get out to the world in those pages and then anybody that wants to work with me or do one of the courses because i've designed a course to go along with the book which it's such a big topic there's so much in there that there's no way that i can really get the depth that i want out that's probably why there's more books to come because the topics are are so big that, you know, I would have had to write a Bible-sized book to kind of cover it. So I went, keep it condensed so it's easier and then build on it. So I think for me, it was, it's fun, it's it's core to what I'm going, going to be doing going forward. And uh, it was really important that I get the book written, then build on that. Yeah, I think it's a good way to get people to know what you're all about, what your core fundamental beliefs are around, you know, how you've experienced life and how you apply those principles to what you do day in and day out and how they can do it too. And it's a really nice flavor for people, isn't it, to kind of get to know what what, what is Anna about? And if she's going to coach me, what kind of thing can I expect? And that's what I love about books is it gives people that little taster. They can dip their toe in. They can sort of see what is and is she the right person for me because you know something like coaching life coaching that sort of thing is very you have to have a really good rapport with the person that you end up working and supporting you know with because otherwise you you end up it doesn't it's not the best experience for them but it's also for you it's not as aligned or maybe as fulfilling as you want it to be so I think if 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 you can get a book out there which helps people get to know a lot about who you are and what you stand for and what you how you can help them then it just does a lot of the legwork for you yeah definitely and I think you know like I've also struggled with things like, like, you know, using the term life coach. And I, I think I changed it the other day because I, I absolutely find it difficult to be boxed into anything. And I just wish that, and that's why I think the book is important because 
for me, it means I can get myself out there and go, this is, this is, this is who I am. And I know from, you know, working with people living with cancer and coming towards the end of their lives and all of those things, what they want is somebody who isn't scared to touch difficult subjects, you know, um, and, and to give them in some ways, you know, the, the permission to touch what happens to me if I die? Can we talk about those things? Um, you know, what should I do with the rest of my life, knowing that it might be quite limited in time? Um, everybody's life's limited. We, we, we don't actually know. So, but, you know, I wanted to get that out. So the book has given me the confidence in many ways to just go, look, this is, this is the book. If you read it and you like it and it resonates with you, you know, I can work with you a bit further. And I think that was important. Yeah, for sure. And if we move on to the writing itself, because I guess with your your sort of your principles that you live by and that are important to you and that you, all of your knowledge and expertise around mindfulness and, you know, just em- embracing life's journey. How was the writing journey for you itself when you thought, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to write this book? What was it like as a process? Oh, gosh, I was like a... I was blind. I didn't, I didn't know. When I first started, I, I just had no clue what I was doing and I was writing and throwing it away and starting again. And, you know, and then I just decided to just fall into it, just allow whatever comes up at that time and just flow with it. Um, and then I got into the habit of getting up at four, four thirty in the morning, not meaning to, but I just, it just seemed that it was the, and it does now it, it does seem to me that time of the morning for me is the easiest time for me to write because everything seems so, and I have to be dead quiet. It has to be dead quiet for me. There's nothing, no music, nothing. And then just write. So that's what I was doing. I was getting up at 4, 4.30, and I, st- I still do sometimes because that's when it seemed to be more natural and then just writing until I couldn't, couldn't write anymore and then letting it go. Not very structured. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, mm. not very structured, I have to say. And it was, I, yeah, just letting it flow, really. I think that's really important with with the first draft is that sometimes you just have to let everything out, out that you've been holding in. Because I think, like I said, sometimes these books that we write have been speaking to us in our heads for a long time. And we keep thinking, oh, I'm going to include that. I'm going to include that. And I always feel, particularly when I'm writing a first draft, that it's whatever I've been holding in, in my head, thinking at some point I'm going to write that down. I will write this as a book and that all oh, that will be a good thing to put in there. And it's almost like my brain gets so full that I have to just start writing. Otherwise I won't, I almost can't fill it with anything else until I've got what I've got down on paper. And I, I think it's really interesting. I'm like you, I, I'm best in the morning. So if I'm ever in first draft mode or in any kind of mode, um, I tend to write at sort of 7am, that sort of time. I have written at 5am when I was working, but I am best in the morning creatively. And I too, I can work with very quiet, like sort of classical music on, um, 
but I cannot write with anything with words. If there's songs with words, I just can't do it. I have to be uh, totally in the zone without any other kind of input, I suppose, in, in any kind of word way. But I know it's funny because there are other authors. I know Stephen King writes, I know he listens to Metallica and I just, <laughs> and that gets him in the zone. So I always think, you know, every, each to their own, but I think you're right that this sort of, if we can get up and, and do it first thing before we crack on with the rest of our day, we feel like we've accomplished something and we're making the progress. And actually it's that time that is, like you say, to ourselves, no one's likely to interrupt us at 4am, 5am. You know, it's because they're, you know, we're up before the rest of the world and we're able to have that creative space. Yeah. And I, and I think you said, I was talking to a friend recently who said to me, um, Oh, it's, it must be a lonely, you know, a lonely job to be be writing, you know, be a writer. And I said to her, Do you know, it isn't. <laughs> it's so weird because I could literally be okay. I mean, it, obviously, I it, it, it's different for me in many ways because I I spend a lot of time in I you know sol- in solitude. I love my um, own space. I have a lot of silence I would say at least 70% of my life is in complete silence and I'm comfortable with that and I and that's when I'm lost in whatever I'm writing whether it's I'm blogging or whether it's I'm writing or doing even a video I don't have a problem with that I don't find that lonely I can do days without you know stepping out of the place to talk to anybody but that's not for everybody I think you know if you look at some of the great writers or some of the great artists I mean I feel I'm not saying I'm a great of any any of those but I can write if I've got an idea or if, I, if I'm in the flow non-stop and not be bothered at all about having not spoken to somebody for days yeah, I, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? That that people have different experiences of the process. Some people need that um, that sort of more group vibe. Other people are quite happy to write. I, I'm I'm similar to you. I'm quite happy to write uh, in the silence. I'm quite happy with that sort of space, if you like, for creativity. Um, and you know, you're absolutely right. People are just going to do what works for them. Was there any part of the process you didn't enjoy? Um, I think for me, it was, you know, I left school with with very little, but I have, I mean, obviously, I went on and did a degree later in in life and, you know, have masters and became a teacher and everything. But I still have that little bit of my English isn't, you know, 100%. I mean, I have always been bilingual because I, 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 you know, first, my first language was Greek and then it became English and then it became Greek. And, you know, I've gone up and down in my life <laughs> between those two. And because of that, I don't know if I've mastered either of those particularly well. And so I think my, my challenge was my, you know, my spelling, my grammar, never really sure. Is it right? Does it work that way? So that was the difficulty because I wanted to just write without stopping to check. Um, so, but I, you know, a friend of mine said recently, gosh, your, your writing's improved so much. You know, I was, I mean, yeah, that, that it, it has, 
And if I look back at some of my old writing, I'm, I, even I sit there and go, oh, dear, you know. All those years of blogging, I was going to say, have probably come into their own with just repeated practice um, and, and doing it and, and just evolving and, and improving over time. And I think that's something that I would like, you know, to tell people if they, it, there is this view that to write a book or to, to be a writer or it, it, you, you must have finished school with these great A-levels. And, you know, I actually think there's, that can actually be a stumbling block for a lot of people because I see a lot of people who, or my view is, I want to be accessible I want somebody to pick up my book and not have to read great big long complicated words to explain something. I'm not a flowery writer. That's the way I see it. Um, I I write as I speak, as I live, which is you know just basic, not basic, but you know I hope just like any ordinary person. And in fact, I don't think I can read a book that is you know, full of these great big flowery words, because my, my view is, well, I can't just say it as it is. That's not how we talk in everyday life, for goodness sake, you know. So I think that's, that's been really important to me. And I think anybody that has a calling to write shouldn't sit there thinking, you know, I need to go back to university and do a degree in English literature or something. There's people to help you correct those things. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, all, all all good blessings to editors everywhere is what I want to say around uh, pulling up uh, grammar and spelling and punctuation errors. Because I think you know you're right. I think if people think that that's gonna or has to stop them, it really doesn't. Because you know you can work with some great people who can pull it together into into something that's you know absolutely and, and down to it comes down to it. it just needs to be accurate in terms of grammar and punctuation and spelling how it's written. And I think people underestimate the the importance of of keeping language as basic as it, as it needs to be and I, I often work with people who are doing PhDs and that's really tricky for them is to simplify the language from being extremely technical and academic to being something that could be readable by you know just just about anybody uh, on the topic and that's a skill I think we underestimate the skill that takes to to make something simplified it's almost easier to make it more technical because you can really refine it down to technical jargon but actually to come from being really technical to being simple is is really is a tricky thing so yeah I, I'm all for the straightforward language and making it as easy for the reader to understand the point you're trying to make as you know as simply as possible yeah and I think there's a bit of a you know no offense to some writers and authors but I think there's a bit of an ego behind that as well it's the ego of look at me I can write some really sophisticated words but the you know, so what is what, you know, my, we don't speak like that. That's not how we communicate. And, um, you know, my mum started reading the book and even she said to me, poor thing, you know, oh, it's, I think it's for really clever people because obviously the book has got some deep, you know, um, concepts in it. And, it, and I do explore quite a bit of, of science and philosophy in it. And, you know, I, I was a bit kind of, I hope not. It's, I hope it's not too difficult. And it's not meant to be for bright people. It's meant to be for people that are in pain or lost or need direction. And, you know, that's what I hope it does. 
Now, I feel quite confident to just say I write and I speak and I do as I feel. Um, and if it attracts or it resonates with other people, that's great. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to be chasing some kind of award. That's not really what I'm out there for. Yeah, genuinely, all I want is to be able to offer something. And I said that when I went into teaching was if I can just help one child, that was that was why I went into teaching. I went, even if I'm in the right place at the right time for one child, then it will be enough. And I think the same with my book is if one person is at the point in their lives where everything is just rubbish, crap, you know, and I've been there, and they pick up the book because that's how I've often gone through my own difficulties is pick up a book and gone, oh, right, okay. If it does that for somebody, then it's 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 done its job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So just before we finish, um, could you give a listener who's thinking about writing a book one piece of advice that you think they would find really helpful moving forward? Yeah, I think having a good team on your side. I think I, I was really lucky. I, I found you to do my first kind of manuscript re- run through. I was expecting you to come back and say to me, oh, it's rubbish, but you didn't, which <laughs> which allowed me to then go, okay, it's all right. And then finding, you know, um, Jessica, a great editor, she, she was, you know, and take, she, helped me go through the whole thing which I would not have done I wouldn't have known and you know I think um, designer uh, proofreading the whole works don't try to do it on your own I don't I personally don't think I could have done that on my own so have a good team next to you really important very good very wise words well thank you Anna for today I've had an absolutely incredible time talking to you I know your book is uh, is going to be so helpful to many where can people find out more about you yeah so my my website and the book is on Amazon now so you can buy it on Amazon or you know other venues you can order it in a bookshop as well I was told even Waterstones have it main thing is just visit my website follow me on and I'm on most of the social media as well I'll put all those links in the show notes for people so they can find you and find your book but thank you for your time today no problem thanks a lot I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Anna and feel inspired by her journey. If you know another writer who'd enjoy these episodes, do share it with them. You can also give me a shout out on social media using the hashtag creatinghappywriters. If you'd like to connect, you can find me at stephcaswell.com and on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And don't forget, you can buy a copy of my book, Dare to Write, How to Confidently Write a Nonfiction Book to Grow Your Business, which takes you on the journey from initial idea to publication. It's available on Amazon right now. So until next time, happy writing.